Welcome to Catholic Vitamins, your dose of spiritual supplements from A to Z. Catholic Vitamins, specially formulated to help you achieve optimum spiritual health. It's time to energize your faith, forget what lies behind, and press on toward the goal. We've already won. Here are your hosts for Catholic Vitamins, Deacon Tom Fox and his lovely wife, Dee. Well, hi, lovely Dee. Hi, Tom. Hello, everyone. It's Catholic Vitamins once again. We're in Lent. I'm dressed in purple, and I have ashes on my forehead. (laughs) Still? (laughs) Hello, everyone. We're glad you're with us for Catholic Vitamins. This is Catholic Vitamin X. We're up to X again. We can't, we could just cannot come up with a vitamin that works for X anymore. No, so long ago we just called it extra and we're we're up to extra 20. Are you saying that we've gone through the alphabet that many times and more? More more than that. Really? I think, yeah. Because this is show number, what did you say? 471. 471. Are we going to make 500? Getting close. Wow. Well, uh, folks, we're in north-central Arizona. It's a lovely Saturday, uh, a Sunday Saturday, as we sit here. A little bit of a cool breeze, but we had breakfast this morning together, something that we enjoy. We gave the dog a little uh, thanks for being a good dog. Yeah, gave her an outing at one of the nice trailheads. Well, I was going to say that we we gave her a little bit of pancake when we came out. (laughs) That's true. She looks forward to that, and also... We have good friends that own a hardware store that's 50 yards from the uh, cafe. Cafe, And we go in there, and Maggie always gets a treat. She gets another treat. She gets yeah. First, she gets a pancake treat from us when we come out of the cafe, and then we go over there, and she gets another treat. Well, obviously, dear friends, you would not know this is a Catholic show for what we're doing right now. <laughs> this is called Prattle. Our very special guest is Bay McFarlane, and um, Bay has started... An outreach predominantly to women or men who are involved in the abandonment of a no-fault divorce. If anybody wants to look her up, it's spelled B-A-I. B-A-I. And we'll give give her contact information later in the show towards the end of the interview. Dee and I are firmly, firmly, firmly committed to marriage, although it certainly has not been a piece of cake all of the years, but... We really believe strongly in marriage, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Dee, um, how's your Lent going? I So far, it's going well. I, I, haven't, I haven't felt like a failure. <laughs> well, that's good. Which I sometimes do. I know, we all. <laughs> in Lent and Advent. <laughs> we all have big visions at the beginning or guilt visions at the beginning. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. I'm doing some reading. I'm keeping up with my meditations that, uh, that I'm getting online that I signed up for. We're doing our, a bit of fasting during the week. Probably not enough, but, um, that's a little bit of a guilt statement for me anyway. Yeah. And, uh, we have done, one of the rosaries that we committed to doing together, right? Uh, well, not th- we always do it every Saturday morning, going up to the cafe. 
That's right. That's right. But we had committed to do one during the week, and uh, we got that in, which is not to say that I'm not doing the rosary other days by myself, but for Lent, I want to do one in part supporting the uh, special cause of Father Ubald, who we talked about on the last show, and we'll have some feedback uh, from that show in a bit. But um, we also want to pray for our Lenten journey doing the rosary. So my own you know, answer to the question is, I'm doing pretty well. I probably would like to do a bit more adoration because sometimes I'm working at the Catholic radio station and I just come over in time for Mass, but I feel like I want to spend some time with the Lord in adoration. And we encourage our listeners to take advantage of adoration every day at Holy Nativity Catholic Parish and that's in our community here. We hope wherever you live that there's adoration available at least once a week and take advantage of it. Meet the uh, dear Lord during Lent. Can I talk about this? You may. You may. You have to we give were, some background. I know. We were actually going to mention this on a, the last podcast, I think, and we forgot to do it. But we had window installers here a month or so ago, a little over a month ago. And... Uh, one day, one of the uh, head guys was started asking us some questions, and and based on things he was seeing around our house, I guess. And it surprised us when he said, and these are his words, that it's always nice to come into a house where you see a lot of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. A window installer who noticed that our home has... Um, the image of Jesus on the cross. We have the sacred heart of Jesus. We have the immaculate heart of Mary. We have a beautiful statue of Mary. He didn't specifically refer to that, but um, it is uh, important. And you know who put that thought in our mind many, many, many years ago? Yes. The late Lucille Dupuis, a lady who came out of Madonna House and uh, had her own cabins, retreat cabins in the mountains of Colorado, and uh, she told us that... She came into our house and said that she would not know it was a Catholic house because she didn't see anything. Well, she said it a little differently than that, but you're right. That was the point that she was making. You can always recognize a Catholic house if it properly displays its Catholicism or its faith. So we now have a sign just inside the door. It's a small sign that says, this is a Catholic home. And there's some other little plaques, and then we have the statues and things that... I actually got those plaques and was selling them in the gift shop at the church when I was managing the gift shop. Well, there you go, folks. This is Catholic Vitamins. We're trying to help nourish faith from A to Z, and we hope you'll pick up on a couple of these points. We're going to take our first break, and we'll be back for part two. We are a young and diverse generation helping those in need, and promoting human rights. We care for the environment. We embrace authentic witnesses and dream of a better world. Our passion comes from God, who loves us even when we fall and cheers on our victories. If you sometimes wonder, is there something more? Then come and see at CatholicsComeHome.com. Well, we're back. I just was thinking about the young family we have moving into our community, which we have met and have been with a couple times here at our house. 
but they want to do uh, Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. And you found out a little bit about this when you were down the valley recently. Yes, and we should probably back up because we never know who might be listening or what country or whatever. But one of the uh, very lovely, touching forms of education for children, starting at about age three and up through uh, the time of confirmation, is called Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. And we have familiarity with it from Madonna House, which we've been to 20 times up in Winslow, Arizona. You got to change that number. <laughs> We've probably been there a hundred times. So uh, they have a beautiful catechesis of the Good Shepherd in, in a large area that's called the atrium. And catechesis of the Good Shepherd is based on a Montessori method of teaching young children. And it's very tactile and it's size appropriate to the age that they're in. <clears throat> and uh, what Dee is referring to is that I went down to the valley for a me- phoenix for a medical appointment recently, just this past week. And I went over to make a visit at a church that we enjoy down in the valley, St. Timothy's. And I went in to do the visit. And as I had uh, parked the car, I had seen and remembered that they had a separate building for catechesis of the Good Shepherd on their campus. I'll use the word campus for the parish. As I finished my short prayer visit, I found someone who looked like they had some authority and keys, and I told them about us being interested in catechesis of the Good Shepherd in our parish up in Payson, Arizona, but we didn't have it going. Could I take some pictures in their atrium? And he said, oh, sure. So he took me over, opened the door, and we found out there was somebody inside, and it was a wonderful woman with 19, the 19 years of teaching young children with catechesis with the Good Shepherd. And she was so full of love and stories of hearts that have been changed about children who have led parents to the faith or to deeper faith and people who have come from other parishes or long distances away, a story we've heard before, right? Yes. So uh, it was a wonderful visit, and I took a bunch of pictures. I uh, don't think I'll be able to put those on our website but maybe I'll put them on Facebook and, and uh, talk about it. At any rate, Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, a wonderful program, and I hope you have something like it in your parish because it's so important to uh, reach the hearts and minds of young children, and it works to help in the families as well. Well, I was going to read some feedback, but we run kind of long on prattles, so why don't we bring up our special guest today, and we'll see you on the other side. You're the one, you're the one, you're the one for me. You're the one, you are only the one, you're the one for me. I see my children in your eyes, I found my home within your arms. Don't think you'll ever. What a part of me you are You're the one You're the one You're the one for me You're the one Only the one You're the one for me You are my diamond in the rough 
Today we take up a very serious problem, a very serious issue. The issue is the attack on so many fronts on marriage. And our guest today is Bay McFarlane. Um, I was going to ask her before we turn on a recording. I said McFarlane, and it's L-A-N-E at the end. McFarlane, how do you say that, Bay? It kind of gets all mushed together, McFarlane. All right. Well, welcome to Catholic Vitamins. Thank you for uh, coming on. And we're going to be talking about your ministry <clears throat> called Mary's Advocates in a few moments. But I always like to start at the beginning when you had curls, pigtails, whatever it was in your early years. Tell us a little bit about your family of origin and about your faith walk in the early years. Sure. Um I was born in the early 60s, so, you know, um, bell bottoms and boys with long hair was, you know, my junior high and high school time, the bell bottoms kind of started to go away. But um, I'm from a family of seven. My mom and dad were always serious churchgoers. Uh, we never missed Mass on Sunday, for example, growing up. Uh, my dad and mom, God bless them, they spent a lot of money sending all of us to Catholic schools. But um, a lot of people my age kind of, you know, if you're still in a church, you're aware that post-Vatican II, um, we were getting taught some things that nowadays is clear that wasn't even the church teaching. So um, I was one of these people that I, I was, you know, very, very active out and about socially. So I sort of would say I had, I, had, I had a foot on both sides of the fence when I was a younger person as far as, you know, sowing your wild oats or whatever you want to call it. Um, but as I got older, out of college, um, I, I definitely um, really focused in. And, you know, I, I, my identity is wrapped up in being a serious Catholic. And I look to longstanding church teaching for my understanding of what Catholicism is. So, that, I mean, that's how I grew up. Um, I, I, I got married um, to a guy that I met in college. Um, we were both part of a Knights of Immaculata, St. Maximilian Colbe, Mary, um, cons uh, consecrated to Mary. And we had four kids, and, you know, that that's that kind of ends the growing up part, right? <laughs> sure. <clears throat> You're a product of the Midwest? Yeah. Ohio. And, and, uh, and, uh, or, or, or better yet, I grew up on the North Coast, so I was a beach bum, but not in an ocean. Um, Huntington Beach in Bay Village, Ohio. But, you know, it's sand, it's piers, it's sunshine, it's um, volleyball when you're you know, down in the, the flats in the area when you're a young person and people are going out to the restaurants and bars and outdoor volleyball, that, that kind of thing. That's that's what I did in the summer. So um, you just sort of suggested the uh, business about perhaps a little bit of wild oats. What kept you anchored to the Catholic faith or, or did you have some sort of a, I'll use the word resurrection? Um, well, I never, I never left. It's just like, I guess I could say, um, you know, I, I never left. I never okay. left. All right. it's, it's just that, you know, I, I don't want to go into you know, personal details. No, 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 no. A no. lot of people in our era, we have our bumps and bruises from dabbling into what the secular culture said was a lot of fun. And it's like, well, yeah, it was kind of fun, but, you know, uh, 
you know, that's all I'm saying. Sure. Well, I guess I was just asking, trying to ask, maybe I didn't do it very well, whether there was some sort of moment of grace or some sort of strong. No, I never left. I never left. Like in high school um, at our parish, Catholic parish, they had to say the youth minister was the kind of guy where there were rumors flying around that he's smoking pot with the kids on the public school track team. So that was a youth group at the Catholic church. But in the public school, there was this thing called Young Life. And if I have my facts straight, Scott Hahn's wife, Kimberly Hahn, was real, real involved in Young Life. So I had a social circle where um, we would go to, to camps where they were talking about Bible and singing singing good songs. You knew that Jesus was the answer. You knew there was right and wrong. You knew sexual immorality was immorality. And, and there was a circle of people who, who supported each other in doing that. That just happened to be in a... Um, a conglomeration of all different religious affiliations who are Christian. Sure, sure. <clears throat> and what did you study in College Bay? Oh, yeah. I went to university in Notre Dame, and I've got a mechanical engineering degree. So really? I'm, I'm not dumb. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable at problem solving, um, and I've been told that I use my intellect to help deal with emotional troubles because sometimes there's nothing you can do about emotional troubles other than just grit and bear it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we have your foundation. Uh, you were blessed to be able to stay with the faith, thanks be to God. And you were buried, and you said you had four children. Right. So, so right. something happened. Um, we don't want to go into details, but something happened, which is the beginning of the story of your ministry. But can you just say a few words? Sure, sure. Because... Um, my ministry, Mary's Advocates, has a, a, a two-pronged purpose. One is to uphold marriage against particularly no-fault divorce, and the other is to support those who were unjustly abandoned. So it's a two-pronged approach, and, you know, I got involved in this because I married someone who was a pretty intelligent guy, and we were serious Catholics, and... Um, after four children, I became a divorce defendant. Um, I actually was actually a a separation petitioner at the same time, but I, I withdrew that. That's too complicated. Um, my husband left the marital home and I was told by a lawyer that the way to deal with this is to file for legal separation because that's how you get support. I was a stay at home mom. He, at the same time, um, filed, I withdrew my complaint. And, you know, in Ohio, if you want a divorce, there's absolutely nothing a defendant can do to stop a divorce. In Ohio, you have to be separated for a year. In a lot of states, it's just one person says, um, I feel we're incompatible or we have irretrievable breakdown or, um, you know, we have irreconcilable differences. So I, I started learning. I learned about no-fault divorce from the inside because I was a defendant and I didn't want to be permanently separated from my husband. I wanted to, you know, make our marriage stronger, better, faster. I wanted to work with people who are expert in helping couples. So, um, once I became a defendant in no fault divorce, I, um, you know, in, in the court, they generally take over the control of the children and they coerce mom and dad into agreeing to some kind of plan where the children go back and forth between mom and dad. Um, and while I didn't have my children, um, I dove into research trying to understand what is this? What is this thing that every cell in my body is screaming? This is grossly unjust. Why does the state have control over our children? 
why is there nothing I can do to um, encourage my husband to reconcile? What the heck is going on? So that's how it started. Okay. <clears throat> so um, two prongs, um, your stance against unilateral divorce and uh, supporting those who are, if you will, abandoned. <clears throat> so I think I may have, when we were doing our setup emails to get ready for today, I think I shared with you in the parish that I served as deacon for 11 and a half years before transferring to another parish. <clears throat> there was a, a, a widow, I mean, excuse me, there was a, a woman who we first thought was a widow, but we found out that she had been abandoned by her husband. <clears throat> this woman stayed faithful to the Catholic Church, faithful to virtually daily Mass, leading rosaries before Mass, um, just a, a, a true prayer warrior and an image of someone who is holding out or working to find a resolution to the abandonment. Sounds like you might have experienced that or something near that. Um, where did the idea for Mary's Advocates come to you? Um, the first thing I started doing was putting on the Internet what I was learning about no-fault divorce and the play-by-play -play of what was going in on our court. Um, there was a constitutional law professor who joined maybe almost a year into it. Um, I, he, if he got paid, no one ever told me about it because I never paid him and he never told me about it. But um, he was trying to – so I started th putting stuff on the Internet just – raising awareness about this po possibility of saying that no-fault divorce is actually totally unconstitutional for all sorts of reasons. And I don't want to bore your listeners with that, but there's a whole section on Mary's Advocates website right now under the resources and under the research that gives like bullet point lists of what kinds of strategies someone could use if they wanted to make a constitutional challenge against no-fault divorce. Because what's happening is they they take away fundamental rights of um, the right to parent your children and have everyday access to your kids. That's that's very important. We, we don't just let the state do that to kids, just take them away from their parents without serious, grave reasons. And they also take control of all your property, which is bizarro because, you know, it's like, oh, now we have to be forced to sell our house. And, oh, even though I got married, understanding that we were going to work together to maintain a marital, you know, an intact home. Now I'm told that that's just not how it works anymore, and the government decides who gets what. Um, and generally, most people end up going along with what is coercion, where a, a defendant in divorce who doesn't want divorce is is coerced into agreeing to some side of plan where all the property and children are split. So you don't you don't you don't hear about it as a forced divorce because most people on paper, I think, it looks like an agreed thing. But in reality, a respondent is coerced and the petitioner refuses to cooperate with anybody who um, who has expertise in helping couples get stronger. So um, I went off on a tangent there. But it, it started, Mary's Advocate started with me throwing up the information on the Internet. And because I was doing that, I started to meet other people. Um, National Catholic Register did a story, golly, I want to say 10, 12 years ago, maybe longer where they were talking about the constitutional challenge. So um, more people found me. And then I started also publicizing what I was finding out about church teaching. Um, you know, the church doesn't understand divorce as something that's acceptable. 
Um, only under very certain specific grave reasons should people be permanently separated. So gradually, more and more people just kept, you know, we found each other. And um, and then and then we kind of had a, a breakthrough with the idea of supporting separated faithful from a Catholic perspective when we found this book, um, Eldona de C, which is an Italian book. And it was by a woman with an imprimatur from her bishop who had kind of started a support group for those who are um, separated and faithful, like that woman you described who, you know, people thought she was a widow. So Mary's Advocates raised money to hire a translator, and we got that translated from Italian to English. So now um, there, there's a group of us that, that support each other. We use, a, we use a phone conference call to support each other using this book is something that we talk about. And then... Um, Years go by and about, and I, you know, my kids were getting older. The court split our family in half. Um, they were put, I was a, used to be a stay at home, homeschooling mom. They were put in school. I got a, whatever job you could get after being out of work for a while. You know, you start with a temp agency and um, about five or six years ago, the job I had um, got eliminated and there was someone who I was helping a lot who, who, said, Bay, you should be doing this full-time. You should be doing this advocacy full-time. So um, because of outside donors, I've been doing this work full-time. Um, last semester, I started taking classes online at Franciscan Youth, also donated for me to be able to do that. I'm working towards my licentiate in canon law is a long-term goal, God willing. Amen. Amen. I... Uh... <clears throat> heard you say Franciscan and listeners to Catholic Vitamins know that I've been there faithfully for 14 summers attending the priest deacon retreat and conference and have great sensitivity and great support for Franciscans. So I'm glad that they're involved in your effort. Um, Mary's Advocate is a 501c3. What is the form of the work that you're doing now besides what you just narrated uh, looking at that book? Well, um, I'll have phone calls with people who are separated faithful. Um, if someone, you know, the reason I'm working towards my licentia in canon law is because I found, you know, I just found, I wasn't looking for this. I just found that there's, um, there's a whole section of canon law and the catechism that's applicable to prior to anyone having anything decided in a government court. And it, it, it's kind of based on the principle that when your brother sins against you, you go to him privately first, and then you bring witnesses, and then you bring it to the church. And if he refuses to lit in the church, you treat him as a Gentile and tax collector. And for people who are married as a Catholic church, understands marriage, you promise that you're going to maintain a household together. That's part, You're going to work together to raise your kids, work together, you know, it doesn't so that it's understood that marriage is permanent and you're in the same household. No, I'm not talking about exceptions like somebody gets a job out of state or works in the military or whatever. But generally, you understand when you're married that you're going to have an intact home with both of you together. Till death do you part. And there are certain situations where it's okay and legitimate and reasonable and moral to be temporarily or permanently separated. But the church never gave to the government 
Um, they never relegated the decision-making power to decide when does one of those cases exist and when does it not exist. And because this is such a serious matter that involves the whole community, involves children, and involves another spouse, this never was something that you were supposed to decide on your own. It, it's kind of like I can't just go decide on my own that I'm married to the guy across the street. It's like, no, that's not how it works. He has to be involved. You know, if we're going to get married in the church, we have to have some kind of interview with the people who preside over the wedding to make sure that we understand that we want marriage. Um, it's a public thing. So I found in my research that there's a section of canon law that, that has to do with what's supposed to happen prior to people getting divorces. And, and basically, it's bringing a case to the church leadership saying, look, we're separated I think there's something wrong with this picture. Will you investigate and please make a decision? And um, and, I, and I did my own research. We hired a canon lawyer for part of the ways to come up with his petition. So right now, besides doing my schoolwork, which takes like three or four days a week, I help people who have these canon law cases. So I can only be a ghostwriter. They can't literally have me as their advocate because who am I? I'm just some lady who does research. So um, I do that. I, I write blog articles when I see things that are very strong about marriage. Um, and I try to publicize the existence of this separated faithful group because the one thing I have found every time a separated faithful finds us, somebody finds us, they're, they're, they're so relieved because there's so much pressure out there that, what you want to be married to somebody who doesn't want to be married to you anymore or like what's wrong with you. Can't you move on because you know, you're actually single again, you know, your marriage has ended. Um, or, or there's this, this push that you, you need to find a new partner. You know, we were meant to be happy and happiness means having a spouse. So if you don't find a new spouse, there's like, what's wrong with you? Why are you in denial? Or, or um, there's, so, sorry to say, there is a pressure to petition for an annulment. And for those people who have a legitimate reason for annulment, that's great. That's fine and good. But, but what I found, I mean, I've got like four doctoral dissertations to my left right now where they're saying that there's something incorrect going on with the psychological grounds for annulment and how they're being applied. So, you know. People are happy to find us. Mm-hmm. I, I believe from what you just said, the, uh, the pressure, the societal pressure, even maybe the children pressure to move on, mom or, or dad, move on with your life and don't be lonely and don't be angry, which uh, leads me to another thing. Um, forgiveness. You are the injured party. You have met or talked with many injured parties. You're, you're hoping for, you're praying for reconciliation, <clears throat> but forgiveness. How do you, how do you, how does Mary's advocates portray that as a requirement or as a, a goal? Um, in the book that we use, The Gift of Self, um, there's a whole chapter on forgiveness and we are called and promised 
to model Christ's love. So when Christ's bride, the church, you know, Old Testament, Pharisees, scribes, when they didn't understand what was going on with Christ and they sent him to the civil forum of his era to have him crucified, what does he do? So he says, you know, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. So it's 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 this very um it's a tightrope walk between I have a good reason in virtue and in justice to be righteously indignant that what's going on in no fault divorce with an abandoned her and the other spouse is an injustice. So there's a place for righteous indignation about an injustice. So, but then there's also a demand, and even in the Our Father, you know, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Simultaneously, you've got, that's why I say it's a tightrope, because we also are working towards forgiving the other person. And forgiving is not an act of the emotion. Forgiving is an act of the will. So, um, and what, what we find, what I find is it's choosing, I shall forgive. It's trying to understand, you know, what is the other person's perspective? Cause I've seen parallels made between abortion and marital abandonment. Um, someone who chooses to have an abortion, you know, they think that that's the solution to their predicament. So, Someone who files for divorce and, you know, leaves the marital home, they think that's a solution to their predicament. Somebody somewhere is supporting this idea. And once they talk to a lawyer, oh, boy, or, you know, they have someone supporting the idea who's paid to take over the family. So, you know, it's not an easy thing, but, you know, I've been some of the people I mean, there, there's one woman who found me after the article in National Classic Register. And she just celebrated her 40th anniversary. And um, what she does, every time she receives communion, she she, review, she renews her marital promises. You know, I promise in good times to be get, and bad to be true to you, to her husband. And with God's grace, oh, and so you, with God's grace, one can have a heart of forgiveness. And somebody gave me a really, really good piece of advice years ago, which was pray that I have the attitude towards my husband that God wants me to have towards my husband. What attitude does God have towards my husband? So it's like the author of our book, The Gift of Self, talks about the other spouse being in a spiritual coma. Like they're just not thinking straight. And and you, you, you just have to keep moving on. I mean, go, moving on and that you remain forgiving, you work towards forgiving, you know you're still married, and how do you live that out? They, uh, <clears throat> um, you mentioned that people, when they discover you, are, are so relieved or, uh, I, I don't know if the word happy is appropriate, but they're so comforted to know that there's someone out there that understands where they're coming from or what, what they're feeling what their emotions are. What What's the course of relationship that somebody might have with Mary's advocates? In other words, 
are you are you real? Are you there? They call you or they email, and uh, they they want to know if you're real. What, what do they do there? Do they start following your blog? Do they do research? I'm sure you help. It's you know it's 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 either word of mouth that somebody knows somebody who who suggests you might want to contact you know Mary's Advocates. Like I, I've had people tell me you know on Catholic Radio, Patrick Madrid, for example, might have a caller that says, "Hey, you should reach out to Mary's Advocates," or Colleen Kelly Mast, um, who has a show on. I want to say Ave Maria. Um, so, so it could be that way. But when someone finds us, it could just be they, you know, they 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 find the website and they start looking at um, interviews that I've done or things that I've written, or they 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 email me. Um, I I have a list of things for people who are going through suffering that I send out often. I'll answer a phone call. Um, we have a if someone wants more. I mean, it's not just me, obviously, because that's humanly impossible. Um, we have a group email discussion, so anyone can participate in that. Um, we have a monthly conference call. Anyone can participate in that. Um, over my Christmas break between last semester and this semester, I, I reached out to every single, well, almost every single diocesan marriage and family office asking if they would publicize the existence of our support call. Sounds, <clears throat> sounds wonderful. Um, you know... For, for those who are blessed, gifted with the grace of winning the battle of marriage, and quite frankly, it is a battle because society is throwing so many things at marriage to attack it these days. I think this, the greatest sad, sadness that I have in my heart is the impact of this no-fault divorce on children beginning to uh, live with two parents or more, if you will, um, children who may have now conflict about faith issues, family values, morals, just um, a great damage that's being done. So I really, really salute your work. Um, I hope you make progress in the battle against no-fault divorce. Can you just thumbnail whether you think you're making any progress in any state areas? Um, there's been a couple of people who filed court cases and um, like one guy just got denied at the U.S. Supreme Court, but being denied at the Supreme Court doesn't mean that you're wrong, just means that you didn't rise to the level that they choose you. Um, and also, even if the secular governments are just out and are just totally anti-marriage and all of this stuff, and they think marriage is about your emotions and anyone who wants out has to have the right to get out. Okay, if that's what the state does, there's still some ground that could be made on how the church responds and how the church could focus more on trying to help people get the right kind of help rather than being so much on the sidelines when someone thinks that divorce is a solution. And you mentioned children. I want to respond to that. One of the motivators for separated faithful is that by one's example, one is teaching one's children about God's love, permanence, and what marriage actually is. Because when they see their peers having to go back and forth between mom and her new boyfriend and her new husband or the stepfather and dad and the new and this like cycle blender mix of things that they have and the loss of stability, the children of a separated faithful spouse know, oh, mom or, or dad is telling me that marriage is permanent and they're living it out, 
you know, and some people live through wars. You know, you lived in England when you're being bombed. That kind of that's kind of unstable. That's unsettling. Life was never promised to be easy. So, you know, we teach our children, this is a bump and bruise that you happen to be born in, but it doesn't mean we deny the truth of marriage. Okay. Well, Bay, uh, as we begin our wrap-up, um, we never know across the web who may hear this, what their situation may be. Let's do some contact information for your website, your blog, and if anybody wanted to reach out by phone to you, if you if you make that available, would you yeah. share? share? The, the website is marysadvocates.org, and the phone is right under the contact us information, 330-690-8942. And um, if God wants me to keep doing this full time and he wants me to get a licentiate in canon law, he's going to have to inspire some donors to make that possible because mm-hmm. um, – Right now, it's like we're good for a couple months, but there were times years ago where, like, they'd go day to day. It's like, I don't know if I'm going to go have to find another job tomorrow. And donors came, so it's a, it's a, it's, it's not like there's some big foundation that's funding all of this. It's just individuals who are inspired that they think this, this kind of work needs to move forward, and I happen to be the one that's doing it. Once again, our guest on Catholic Vitamins has been Bay McFarlane from Ohio. She's the founder and uh, CEO, if you will, of Mary's Advocates. And we've been talking about the two-pronged effort of Mary's Advocates to fight against, to uh, try to change society's view about unilateral divorce, and also to support those who are unjustly abandoned. Babe McFarland, we'll keep you in our prayers, and thank you so much for coming on Catholic Vitamins. Thank you. So many attacks on marriage in our country, and Dee and I were looking at a website. It's the uh, website for the Diocese of Phoenix. The uh, call letters are DPHX, as in Phoenix, PHX, DPHX.org. And they have a uh, pastoral statement of the Arizona Catholic Conference of Bishops on marriage. And... um, If you are interested in a sound teaching on the meaning of marriage in the Catholic Church, you could go to that. You can also, of course, go to the Catechism, which is available online. You can go to the Vatican website, and uh, we will put on our web page for this show, we'll put the link. Do you have it there? It looks like dphx.org backslash. Why hyphen is hyphen marriage important to the Catholic Church? And there's a hyphen in between each word. Sure. So you could just do a, a word search on marriage in the church, and I'm sure you'll find that. Thank you, Bay McFarland, for being our guest. And uh, we hope that this reaches the ears of someone or someones who are trying to save marriage in their life. And I hope you'll consider supporting by prayer or financially. Mary's Advocates. 
Well, D, uh, we've had some feedback that we've sort of saved up over time. I have uh, feedback from Katsy Long, who was our guest on the Father Ubald show that we did most recently. Dear Deacon Tom, thank you for your prayers and kind words. Several of my friends have watched it. She really means listened to your podcast, and I posted it on all of Father Ubald's social media as well as my own. All the comments have been very uh, positive. I appreciate your praying me over and back from Rwanda when that happens. It will be a hard trip, I know, but there is also a completeness in this of my time and work with Father Ubald over the past 12 years, and the last time I will be able to be with his physical presence is when she takes his body over to Rwanda for its ultimate burial and uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot of emotion over in Rwanda from the thousands of people that he uh, touched with his ministry. She says, I ho I'm hoping we will be talking about Saint Ubald, the Saint of Forgiveness, and the Saint of the Eucharist at some later time. Many blessings and peace. Yes, let's stay in touch. Uh, Katsy Long. <clears throat> so thank you for that feedback. We also heard from Anita at our local uh Pregnancy Center, New Beginnings, you interviewed her, a short interview with her recently, and she said, I can't believe it's already February 23rd, and I just read your email. So many battles, so little time. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for all of us. <laughs> Thank you so much for your steadfast, steadfast and faithful support of New Beginnings. Right now, my overwhelm is due to a shortage of lay counselors, which means I've been doing more counseling and a bunch of other stuff. Many blessings to you and your beloved wife, Dee Anita. Thank you, Anita, for that. And then we also, a while back, back, actually back in January, heard from our dear friend, Deacon Fergal, over in Ireland. Fergal O'Neill Faith in Bigor in Ireland. He's a wonderful deacon. And besides being a deacon, his day job is he's a teacher. Yes, he is. And he wrote, My dear brother deacon, Happy New Year to you and Dee. And as we write, we're still consumed by COVID madness and restrictions. Who thought it would have lasted this long? Such a travesty for many especially the elderly who live alone and are dependent on their families. Oh, uh, amen to that. Mm -hmm. We are back to lockdown here again in Ireland and have also reverted to online education, and it's killing me. Every hour of the day, it's filled with delivery of lessons, and every hour of the night is filled with preparation. I would much rather be in live contact with the lovely students, but hey, we are where we are. Uh, I'm working in a different vineyard behind the scenes, at church, ensuring that our online broad broadcasts and transmissions go out. Oh, they must be doing the Mass online. I think that's yeah. what he means. He says, so I guess the hidden work of this deacon is only seen by heaven at the moment. <laughs> it's always good to hear from you, Virgil. Virgil O'Neill has a lovely wife, Mary, and how many children did they have? Is it five Six, children? Six, Six children. Yeah. And we were blessed some years ago to travel to Ireland. And get to visit with them over there. You remember, uh, we've talked about this on our show before. Do you remember when we pulled up in the driveway and all of the children were standing size-wise from the youngest up through the front? <laughs> yeah. And they were all waving at us. <clears throat> they, and the fact that they had people coming from America. Yeah. Oh, it was just a warm and wonderful visit. And we went out to dinner with the adults one evening. Oh, gosh, it was lovely. Dear friends, we're going to take a music break, and we'll be back. Draw me, O King, I will follow you eagerly. Draw me, O King, to your rooms. The love that 
Music and the earlier music that we played was uh, with a lovely voice, the uh, what energized voice of Alicia Hernan. <clears throat> Dee, do you remember that we had Alicia and her husband Mike on our show as guests some time ago? I do. What was the name of the podcast that they were uh, talking to us? Oh, about? I love the name. Yes, Messy Family Podcast. You're always trying to get us organized. <laughs> I think we should do a messy family <laughs> podcast ourselves. <laughs> Yeah, they're a great couple and uh, very strong in the faith. They're in the Steubenville Franciscan University land. Yes. He works for the university, doesn't he? I think he did. I think he's left that oh, now. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, Dee, we have a book giveaway for our listeners. A new one for March. And the book is titled Be Devoted, Restoring Friendship, Passion, and Communion in Your Marriage by Bob Shucks. Shucks. S-C-H-U-C-H-T-S. Bob Shucks. He's the best-selling author of the book, Be Healed. He's got some endorsements. One of them is by Curtis Martin, the founder of Focus. We're supporting a Focus minister in our life. And he says about the book, Be Devoted is essential. Essential reading for any engaged or married couple wanting to live a Christ-centered life together. Everyone should read this book. It's not just a practical guide, but a, a, a roadmap for successfully navigating the sacrament of marriage. That's written by Greg and Julie Alexander, founders of the Alexander House. <clears throat> so our book giveaway, unique to Catholic Vitamins, and certainly in keeping with this topic of marriage on this episode of Catholic Vitamins, the book is Be Devoted. And um, all you have to do is send an email to catholicvitamins at gmail.com, catholicvitamins, gmail.com, or... If you're local, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're local, you could call into our studio line, which is 928-363-4144. 928-363-4144. Did you catch that? I caught it, Dee, <laughs> that you know the, the number, but it's only because there's a yellow sticky here. <laughs> She has a mental block on certain things, folks. My I know. Is, I found that yellow sticky that fell off your computer. <laughs> My name is Tom, by the way, in case <laughs> we'll be back in a moment. And the two become one flesh. Wow. Marriage as it was intended is a beautiful thing. Hi, this is Tony Agnesi. It is the union of man and woman that is truly the closest illustration of Christ and his church. 
There's a unity between husbands and wives, spiritual, emotional, psychological, and financial unity. It's that bone-of-my-bones oneness that we celebrate every time a bride walks down the aisle. So why is it, then, that so many married people feel alone and lonely? They feel like they're living together, but separately. No love, no kisses, no sex, no communication. Rather than oneness, they feel like ships crossing in the night. So what has happened? Why do some couples and even whole families feel like they are simply living together under the same roof, but completely alone, fending for their spiritual and emotional needs by themselves? Well, what can we do to change this? What measures can we take to keep the fires of unity in a marriage burning? Is our self-centered secular culture changing the being one with another to being totally immersed in one's self? Here are some thoughts and ideas to increase the oneness in your marriage. First, put Christ at the center of your marriage. I can honestly say that having a Christ-centered marriage has contributed to the quality of my relationship with my wife, Diane. As we grow closer to Christ, we become more loving and grow closer to each other. Two, attend Mass and pray together. When we go to hit the golf ball on the golf course and she goes later with the kids, the oneness of family is hard to achieve. Encourage your spouse's passions. Encourage her to get that degree, learn a new skill, take a new class. Encourage him to get that promotion, start a new venture, take up a new hobby. Become a cheerleader for each other. Four, no matter how many years have gone by or how many children or grandchildren you have, continue to date each other. That's right. Have a date night. And not just once in a while. Do it regularly and often. Fifth, practice selfless giving. Do something to help out, clearing the table after dinner, straightening up the family room after a football game, or finishing that project that you've been promising to do in a timely manner. Give up something that you would rather do to be with her and share together what she wants to do. Number six, always have a kind word and a genuine compliment and a goodbye kiss or a loving hug and be generous with your time. And seven, marriage is work. So work at it. We have to practice being unselfish, putting our spouse's wishes ahead of our own. It's hard to be your spouse's best friend if you'd rather be somewhere else with someone else. I'm sure this isn't everything that we can do, but it's a start. There are many other things we can do as well to keep the unity in our marriage. Let's work together to change marriage and lonely to married and loving it. This is Tony Agnesi. Well, dear, as we move to a wrap, what's on your mind about this show or Lent or marriage or Tony Agnesi? I was thinking about how many years we've been married and how somebody asked me that recently. And I went, um, (laughs) hold on. I'm not good at math. (laughs) All right. I think we have time for this. I think we have time. I remember one time when I said, uh, happy 24th anniversary d and you said we've been married for 25 (laughs) do you remember yes i do (laughs) uh all right we don't mean to smile and in the face of the serious subject that we talked about which is the attack on marriage and no fault divorce but um we strongly support the work of any area of our christian economy which works to preserve marriage But we are in year 2021. Yes. And we will celebrate 
57 this year. Is that right? Oh, my goodness. Do you believe that? We were married when we were children. (laughs) (laughs) They gave us a (laughs) baby. All right, dear friends, that's all for Catholic Vitamins. Thank you very much for listening to this episode, and we'll see you the next time on Catholic Vitamins. Bye. From A to Z, Catholic Vitamins. Don't enter the race without them. See you next time. This is Deacon Tom. Blessings. God is willing to walk with you. You just have to meet up with him. Where to do it? The Sunday Mass. A message from the Pacing Council of the Knights of Columbus. Come back to faith. Come back to the Mass.